the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to Hour 2 of tonight's Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you guys here with us. 888-344-1170. Continuing on our discussion with the midterms. And one of the things, and, and if you guys are tired of hearing about the midterms, well, first of all, let me tell you, they're not over. We still are in third world status in terms of these congressional races. We still don't have any trust in what's going on in Arizona. And we better figure out why we were supposed to have a red wave and didn't. And so I am going to continue to discuss it. I've got some other things to share with you guys tonight and in a little bit, but we are going to continue on with the midterms right now. In particular, one of the biggest talking points after the midterms was that we lost. There was not the red wave because the overturning of Roe v. Wade and abortion played a much bigger role in the midterms than the polls indicated and that anybody uh, expected because the the what was expected was that inflation was so bad that clearly that was going to be the number one reason for anybody voting on top of the fact that abortion was still legal in most parts of the country. So why would this continue to be such an issue in the midterm elections here to help us understand the role that abortion played in the midterm elections and how it might continue to play out going forward is pro-life attorney Susan Swift. You might have seen her recently on the Dr. Phil show. I certainly enjoyed her on Dr. Phil. I enjoyed her on Dr. Phil more than I enjoyed myself being on Dr. Phil. And she is here to discuss with us tonight everything we need to know about the impact of abortion on the midterms. Hi, Susan Swift. Thank you for being on the Andrea K. Show tonight. Well, thanks so much for having me, Andrea. It's a real privilege. Thank you. Um, So how much of an impact did abortion actually play in the midterms, in your opinion? Well, I'm going to start with one thing. We don't know the true impact of any issue on our elections. Just as you opened the segment, you explained we are still waiting for the election results. And we have serious questions as to whether some of these elections were fair in Nevada and in Arizona and other places. Because we don't know if people are harvesting ballots or counting votes. So it's very, very hard for us to accurately predict, well, uh, an, any issue really made a difference because we don't know if our votes are actually being counted. So that's the first thing. But then getting to, let's assume now, let's assume that all of the elections were absolutely crystal clear and pure, right? And there was no shenanigans. So let's let's look at the, the polling around abortion before the election. Susan B. Anthony was reporting that there was a Washington Post ABC News poll on November 7th. That's before the election. 
And that poll found that 64% of Americans reject abortion on demand up to the moment of birth, which is the very radical pro-abort you know, position. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the, that's the temperature of most Americans. Most Americans want limits on abortion. They just do. Now, then let's contrast that to um, the CNN exit polling that came out right after the, it's on November 8th. That showed that 75% of people polled after they had voted said that inflation was their number one issue. So any kind of spin that says, well, pro-life defeated all of the red wave, I think that's a bit of political spin for the two reasons that the exit polling didn't show that. And also, we really don't know how our elections are being counted, do we? So those are the first two things. Um, The other thing that I'd love to explain to you and and your listeners is that in key pro-life, there were key pro-life victories in many states that uh, aren't maybe aren't really being reported or maybe not realized, like in Oklahoma. Oklahoma has a virtual total ban on abortion. It went into effect in August in 2022. It was one of those trigger laws that was that was triggered right after Roe versus Wade was overturned. It bans abortion in almost all cases except for the life of the mother. And and yet Governor Kevin Stitt, who was the very pro-life conservative candidate, he was reelected. And that was long before the, you know, the November uh, issue. So they had plenty of time to try to defeat him if, uh, if abortion was the issue. So Oklahoma shows that pro-life won where a candidate ran towards the issue. Another state like that is Texas. That has the six to eight week heartbeat bill that was such a controversy that bans abortion after six to eight weeks. Governor Greg Abbott won that easily as well. Um, and Florida has a 15-week abortion ban. A 15-week abortion is just like the Louisiana one, that sh- you know, where the, the baby feels pain. And yet Governor DeSantis and Senator Rubio won handily and both reelected. So those are candidates that ran toward the issue of life mm-hmm. and the and issue was on ballot. Georgia, similarly, 2019, they have a, a law that bans abortion after six weeks in Georgia. And Governor Brian Kemp was reelected and handily trounced Stacey Abrams, who said that that a baby's heartbeat wasn't real on an ultrasound. She tried to say that that was just a sound effect. Oh my goodness! Please help me. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it's like okay, we have science and we have we have an ultrasound, which you know everybody knows that that's real. But no, she wants to say it's fake. Um, Nevada Governor uh, Joe Lombardo was strongly pro-life, and he was you know he he won re-election. Um, also in Vermont. Despite the fact that voters had passed a constitutional amendment to create a personal reproductive autonomy, even though they they had passed that, they still elected a pro-life governor in Phil Scott. So those are all very good state victories for life. Now, in the pro-abort states, well, these governors won where they were expected to win, like California. Mm -hmm. We just passed Proposition one, which actually isn't it isn't really as much about abortion as it is about reproductive freedom. And ask me what that means, because it's not defined. It means everything in the world, including transgender. It can it could wipe away statutes that uh, restrict rape or incest or polygamy. Um, It's it's a it's a blank check for anything that you want to declare yourself as I want this reproductive freedom. That's now in our Constitution. Well, Governor Newsom won re-election. He was expected to. Kansas. Kansas had voted to keep abortion rights in their Constitution, and they re-elected a typical pro-abort you know, uh, candidate for, for their governor. Michigan. 
Governor Whitmer won. And also at the same time, they had Proposition 3 in Michigan, which is very, very similar to California's Proposition 1, advancing a reproductive freedom, putting that new undefined reproductive freedom right in their constitution. She should have won there as well. And Vermont, uh, they had, they amended their constitution with personal reproductive autonomy. So these, these candidates won in states where they were supposed to win. And the, the pro-life victories ran toward life, toward the issue of life and they handily won their races. So Right now, it's the, the latest that I've been able to, to, to look up in. This is according to the, um, let me grab the website for you, the National Governors Association website. They were tallying all of the different governor's races that had, had just been declared. And as of just a few mo- moments ago, it's really split evenly. There were 17 Republican governors and 17 Democrat re- re- you know, governors in the 36 races. And they hadn't reported on Arizona or Alaska. But the but the Republicans, Arizona. yeah, but the Republicans who won were largely uh, pro life, and it, it and yeah. so and yeah, so we have victories here. We're talking to pro life lawyer Susan Swift. Um, so yeah, we. Um, I think you're absolutely right for it to be. It's just too convenient. I think it's a false narrative that's being pushed uh, by the pro-abortion crowd to say that what, you know, what cost us the red wave, which has not been even accurately reported, uh, was about abortion. And because that's what the left wants to continue to put in the minds of the American people. Uh, One of the things uh, I do think that the Republican party in general didn't do as good a job as they could have on messaging. The only one that the Republican party tends to, I mean, really what did they do after the overturning of Roe v. Wade to remind the American people of why that was good from a, from a legal standpoint that we're a Republic of States that should not be centralized um, and why that was a good thing for the voters. And the second thing was, is that they, they should have done uh, what Carrie Lake did when she was confronted time and time again by reports about her, quote, extreme position on abortion. She said, why don't you go and talk to my opponent and get back with me? Because it's my opponent that has the extreme position. My opponent believes that there should be no restrictions whatsoever and that, you know, fully formed children should be able to be murdered in the birth canal. Go and talk to my opponent. And, you know, and that's really, we should be moving towards, we actually have, I believe, the majority of voters on our side when it comes to this issue. And we certainly have technology on our side. Um, but you mentioned something. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned something interesting, and I want to spend a few minutes on it. And it's Proposition One. Most people think, both those that wanted Proposition One and those that didn't want Proposition One here in the state of California, most people believe that it was strictly about abortion and that it meant about unfettered abortion. And you said it, it's actually not even really defined, that it says here, the state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's reproductive freedom in their most intimate decisions. That's so vague that you you think that it could even usher in pedophilia. Explain all the ways in which this vagueness could be exploited. Absolutely. It, it, it was a brilliant bit of marketing and messaging because in California, even after Roe versus Wade was overturned, California has already declared abortion to be a constitutional right in by its by the California Supreme Court, multiple decisions. So abortion really was not at issue at all. So this but they put that word in abortion is a talisman, it's a magical talisman that they just threw in there to make people believe, oh, it's about a woman's right to choose. Okay, but what did they really pass? They passed 
a law now that's going to amend our Constitution to say that the state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's personal reproductive freedom in their most intimate decisions. Now, what does reproductive freedom mean? Well, it's not defined. The, the Proposition 1 doesn't define it. No state law defines it. The it's not defined anywhere, not in federal law, not in state law, nowhere. And what can that mean? What we are literally doing now that we are, we've put this into our Constitution, we are going to be allowing judges to interpret what that mm -hmm. means. And, it, 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 and once you have it as a constitutional amendment, it is going to override pre-existing uh, laws that would deny or interfere with whatever your, your reproductive freedom is. Well, what about a, a rapist, right? Maybe that's his reproductive freedom. If he wants to say, this is the way I enjoy my, my interactions, well, who's to say that, that rape should still be illegal because it really interferes with his reproductive right? What about polygamy? What about incest? Why yep. can't a son marry his mother? Why can't the mother marry her brother? What, what, that's an interference. That is a state law that interferes with a person's reproductive freedom. And it goes further than that. What about uh, if you're an infertile couple and you cannot get pregnant? Do you get the right now to demand the state to provide mm -hmm. you with a surrogate, you know, like a, you know, a 20 something year old girl who says, hey, yeah, I'd like to sell my eggs in my womb. I'll rent it out. In fact, state, you cannot even restrict my right to sell my eggs or rent my body out of the womb to a private company. I don't want any governmental oversight for health regulations. Just well, yeah, in fact, let me interject. Health. There we, we there's already a lawsuit in New York with a gay uh, gay um, two men uh, mm -hmm. that are suing the state because they feel like they're being discriminated against because some woman co-worker was able to get uh, it, I guess, IVF or whatever covered by her health insurance and they feel like they, they've got their entitled to have children too and that should that, that should be provided by a surrogate paid for by the tax dollars absolutely and that is reproductive freedom but i'll tell you the scariest thing the scariest thing that no one's talking about is that this brave new world of reproductive freedom can potentially strip away parental rights to protect children from sexual abuse because that word individual right no the state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's right it's, it's not defined as an adult it's, right it's anyone and so you're now talking about what if a 13 year old really enjoys uh you know a relationship with uncle joe right now yes. the state can protect that 13 year old's right to have have relations with you know, a 40 year old man. It's removed the consent. It's removed the age consent requirement. Yeah. Yes, there is no there is no more age consent or, or required for for age or anything. And that means parents who are trying to protect their children by by common sense things by saying, look, honey, I know you're 16, but you really should wait. Anything like that, that can be stripped away, especially in the schools. It's, it's going to override all kinds of old-fashioned notions about morality, including the prohibitions on incest and polygamy and rape and pedophilia. I mean, we've been redefining uh, pedophiles as minor attracted persons. Mm -hmm. Is that not Orwellian or whatever? Yeah. So if you're minor attracted, now do you have a, a, a fundamental reproductive freedom right to go and molest a boy who's 12? Does the, is that what that means? And the, the truth, is, truth is, 
No one knows because the people who passed Proposition 1, they, they're on record on YouTube admitting that they really don't know how this is going to be interpreted. They right. sold it to us as we're protecting a woman's right to choose, and they would not discuss any of these things. Right. We, There's the, also the Right to Life League bought this thing up right. and down in, in Sacramento, and, and we demanded that they define, define it. They would not. No, they and we, be. yeah, we already know that there's a, there's a, there was a video that they were pushing out that was, you know, when what's the intersection for somebody's, why should somebody have to choose between their fertility and their identity? So right. it's also going to come with taxpayers being forced to foot the bill for, quote, gender-affirming surgeries that are also going to involve, I guess, you know, um, egg freezing eggs and all different kinds of fertility and surrogates surrogacy and all this because when they mutilate a 15 year old girl and take her uterus out and you know remove her breast now she's going to have to have somebody carry the child for her if she wants to be a parent I mean that's where the, all of this is going and it's insane and SB 107 passed which now allows the state the California state to take custody of any child who wants gender affirming care, any child, not just California children, but any child that is brought into the state, let's say trafficked, shall we say trafficked into the state? Mm -hmm. And then they, the state will can provide this child, 12 years old, 13 year old, the, the, the hormones, hormone blockers and the surgery against parental wishes because the state takes custody of the child away from the parents for purposes of this gender transitioning. And it's all under Proposition 1, reproductive freedom. Well, you know, the... Uh, you know, the left are, are masters at word games and whatever they s- declare, you know, uh, the Affordable Care Act was not affordable and it had nothing to do with care. Right. Um, abortion is not right. Abortion is not health care. It's murder. Um, you know, reproductive rights, reproductive justice. Um, there's no justice when you're killing human beings. And this isn't about freedom. This is about. Um, that this is about, it's about a, population control. It's about pop in part. It absolutely is population control. Yes, because it's it's also which is a part of the cultural Marxist movement to destroy the fabric of our nation. And, and this is a part of the Great Reset and and other things that we've yes. talked about a lot on my show. I thank you for being here. Um, tell everybody how they can support your Right to Life League. Sure. The Right to Life League was founded in 1967, six years before Roe versus Wade. We were started in California, and what we do is we educate uh, on the truth about abortion, that it is murder. We fight bad laws, and the thing that we do that no one else does is that we protect the pro-life clinics, centers, and maternity homes all up and down the state so that they can keep their doors open. We, we provide them financial support, ultrasound machines, HR training, corporate compliance, all the things that they need so that they can keep functioning that they can offer an alternative to the abortion cartels and the abortion industry. And we've been doing it since 1967. If you want to go find out more about it, it's righttolifeleague.org, righttolifeleague.org. You can find out all about what we do, our news and events, and, and uh, learn anything you want about what we do. But that's what, that's what we've been doing. We're going to continue fighting because abortion started in California, and that's when we started. We went up to Uh, to counsel Governor Ronald Reagan in 1967, and we begged him not to sign the first therapeutic abortion bill. And when he learned the truth about abortion, he was very dismayed because he'd already given his his word to the Democrats. And then he promised us 
I'll never again sign another pro-abort piece of legislation. And he kept his word. That's how we started. And we're going to continue until abortion is illegal in California and across the nation. Susan Swift, thank you for being here and God bless. Appreciate it. God bless you, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all stay tuned. We're going to shift gears and talk a little Thanksgiving when we come back from the break. What are your Thanksgiving traditions? Or are you about, let's just blow through Thanksgiving and move right on into Christmas. 888-344-1170. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea Kay Show, on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Probably my most controversial segment of the night, because I had to, oh my gosh, Hillary Clinton up on my monitor. Ay, ay, ay. Um, okay, during the break, I had to say to Skins, I probably, and this is my, and I'm just going to tell y'all, I think it's inarguably that the most overrated Christmas movie in the history of the country is A Christmas Story. That, yeah, you didn't even let me finish with the kid with the with the BB gun. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was okay like the first time I saw it, but it's like there's people every year that have to watch it over and over. I mean, I just I never thought the humor, the thing with the leg lamp, I mean, it just isn't my humor. You know, I don't think it's funny to see a kid with a bar of soap shoved in his Still mouth. Still my favorite all-time uh Christmas movie is Scrooged with Bill Murray. Never saw it. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Do you agree with me people 888-344-1170? Do you agree with me that a Christmas story is overrated? It's not like the phenomenal. I would take Home Alone any day over a Christmas story. The original. The original, yeah. The I never saw any of the other ones. I yeah, love like Home Alone. I also my other controversial opinion apparently is that Die Hard is not a Christmas Die movie. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon are both Christmas movies. Um, just because a movie uh, is a crime movie, a ter- or a terrorist movie in this case with Die Hard happens during Christmas does not make it a Christmas oh, sure it movie. But I will take Die Hard any day over It's a Wonderful Life. I have. Whoa! I have. Now you're stepping off some serious toes. (laughs) I have never actually made it all the way through. It's a wonderful life. That surprises me. I cannot make it through that movie. Are you a Jimmy Stewart hater? No, I love Jimmy Stewart. But I mean, I I just, I don't even know that I've made it past the first 20 minutes or so. I mean, them dancing on the top of a pool. I mean, uh, you know, with the, I, I don't know. It's just not. It's just not, I, I'm also not a big fan of... We could debate the Christmas story one, but that, but that It's a Wonderful Life really just shocks me. Um, I mean, you know, a sad sack dude going broke. I mean, I'm not really sure that that's... the spirit of Christmas? Hmm, I'm trying to think of, if the, you know, I'm old. I want to see, what do I like Christmas? Why? The Grinch. I like the traditional. Oh, I, the I like the Grinch who stole Christmas. I like Rudy, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, Have you ever seen the Grinch stage production they put on in San Diego once a year? No, but for, I've had friends of mine that actually performed in in, oh, really? in that production every year. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of what... I'm also not a big fan of Miracle on 34th Street. I guess I'm not a big fan of Christmas movies. <laughs> I'm starting to get that vibe. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean... Um, I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday, but I think I love the traditional, um, like cartoons that we had, uh, Rudolph, um, what were some of the other ones? Grinch is one of my favorites. Grinch. Yeah. Holds a special place in my heart. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any other actual Christmas movies. Miracle on 34th Street. Wasn't a big fan of that. Actually, I'd like more, more, believe it or not, I actually would rather watch 
um, like a Hallmark Christmas movie over some of the old. That sounds about right for you. Yeah. I mean, I actually watched, I, I watched the one with Lindsay Lohan this weekend and thought it was cute. You and you and my wife need to get together. She's all about the A&E um, Christmas movies. Some of them can be a little schmaltzy. They're a little formulaic. Rich girl goes from the big city to the, you know, to her little hometown and falls and, you know, uh, has a love-hate relationship with the local farmer and they fall in love. I it mean, we like know the formula. The, kind of the common, like, roadmap for most of those movies. Right. Though. But you know what? It works. And I just love, I. It, but, it, you know, like in this one that I watched this weekend on Netflix with Lindsay Lohan, um, the scenery was beautiful and it was just charming and you know, it's just, you know, How about we just watch Indiana Jones for Christmas. I'm for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that works for me. Um, okay. So <clears throat> shout out to my listeners, best listeners out there in the world. In regards to Mike Pence, somebody, um, emailed me and reminded me that when it came to Mike Pence, um, he had actually backtracked on a religious freedom measure in his state, um, which, um, had left a lot of evangelicals peeved. So Mike Pence has proven for a long time that he was not the straight shooting, honest, you know, little Mr. Perfect, um, little Mr. Perfect Christian guy. He was picked because the vice president typically is much of, I mean, he goes around glad hands, really doesn't have much of a role around the world. Cruz would have been much better. And that would, and the idea was that it would help bring in the Christian vote, that would help bring in the Christian vote. Um, I think Cruz would have done that better. But what happened was things got so acrimonious between Cruz and Trump. And I said at the time that I would really like things to calm down between Trump and Cruz because I really wanted Cruz to be VP, be the VP on the ticket. He would have brought so much. And, 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 and it's the same way for me with DeSantis now. And people are like, Oh, no, the VP, it's such a, a such an unimportant. They don't really do anything. Uh, well, there's much they could do behind the scenes. Let me remind you of Dick Cheney. And what Cheney did behind the scenes, you what you, if we had the right VP to balance Trump, to be a conciliary, to be somebody who knew the Constitution inside and out, the somebody and somebody, by the way, who would be a shield around Trump to keep out the establishment people that were trying to whisper in his ear uh, to keep him solid on the MAGA agenda, to keep him solid on the anti-wokeism, to keep him solid on routing out the deep state, which Mike Pence was deep state. After it was absolutely clear about fraud Fauci and how he was using the NIH and the NIAID and the CDC to exploit a virus to completely destroy us for power. What did Mike Pence do in December of 2020? He had another stinking round table with with Fauci. Right. Mike Pence was always establishment. He was always swamp. He was never. And let me tell you, I don't care how much somebody waves a Bible around. I don't care how many times some man says, I'll never go to dinner with a woman or have a business meeting with a woman without my wife. That does not give you any kind of creds for me as to who your character is and who you really are. He is a charlatan. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's who Mike Pence is. That's who do he's always think, been. Uh, do you think now that, that some time has passed, Cruz could be uh, potentially the VP for Trump again? Um, possible. I think that uh, I think we've got to think about what, what happens with Kerry Lake and what happens with this Arizona race. Um, I'm getting a text message from a listener um, uh, in regards to Christmas movies. Griswolds. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Christmas Vacation. That. Um, somebody said, I may have to stay home and watch Christmas movies all day tomorrow. 
<laughs> and she says Arizona governor race was just called for Hobbs. Um, I saw that it was hall- called by CNN. I don't know who else. I see no also concession from Carrie Lake, and I'm still looking for a response. Yeah, I don't think she should concede. I really don't. I don't either. Um, there's this is just an absolute disgrace what's happened in Arizona. It should upset Democrats as well as Republicans. Democrats tend to be completely okay with whatever corruption exists because uh, they don't think it's ever going to affect them. And so far, it doesn't. So far, any corruption that exists happens, you know, against not just Republicans, but conservatives. And clearly, one of the best things that Trump did and MAGA did was expose the extent of the deep state. And that is not just within the government, but within the Republican Party. And that should be very clear to us. And so if you were ever MAGA, now is not the time to blame Trump. Now is the time to take the blinders off that the establishment's wanting to put over you. And to tell you if you supported Trump in 2016, and by the way, they're using the same talking points against Trump that they did. What changed? What changed between now and 2016 in terms of the need for MAGA? What What is different now? Why would you abandon America first now? Do we not now have even more of the same issues we had when Trump came down the escalator? Do we have a secure border? Is China still kicking our butts? Have we taken control of China and gotten our intellectual property back? Is our dollar now, I mean, economically, have we have we brought all the manufacturing back from around the world? Uh, what what have we, have we become energy? Are are we continue? What about our energy independence, Trump? We were we weren't dependent in in uh, we were dependent from an energy standpoint before he took office. He made us energy dependent. We're now back to energy independent. We're now back to being dependent. I mean, there's not one issue that he ran on. That has not completely reverted back and is now an absolute mess. And yet, and, and on top of it, you're wanting to throw Trump under the bus. And, and, I, and I'm the first one to say that I've got some issues with what he did. And I want to hear him correct himself on those issues. But there's not another Republican right now who's proven to me, including DeSantis, because DeSantis does not have any street creds when it comes to routing out the deep state. What happened in Mar-a-Lago happened on his watch. We're going to take a break. We come back. Got a favorite Christmas movie? 888-344-1170. You still support? You support Pence? Who do you want in 2024? 888-344-1170. Bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Um... Yes, the media, I'm not sure if every outlet, but but uh, the media has called the governor's race in Arizona for Katie Hobbs uh, in spite of just an absolutely beyond chaotic, ridiculous, incompetent, quite frankly, scandalous election in the state of Arizona that nobody should trust. I am calling for her, like among many people, to say that she should not concede. She should not concede this um there's just too many irregularities, too many things that don't add up, too many issues like the machines and, and all those failures that everybody knows. You saw what she tweeted out. She has not conceded. In fact, what should she tweet out? Tweet out my yeah, mind? there's no statement as of yet. We'll wait for that. But as of right now, I don't think she's conceding because this from her Twitter as of 15 minutes ago, Arizonans know BS when they see it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's... Uh, I mean, how many different ways can I say there's no excuse for this and what's going on in the United States? I don't think she's going to concede. I think she's got too much character. She shouldn't. She shouldn't concede. 
right? I, I was disappointed that there was issues going on in Michigan. I was disappointed that Tudor Dixon uh, conceded. I was disappointed that Dr. Oz conceded when he did and didn't call for any kind of audit. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, we we have just let the Democrat Party completely control our elections. They didn't need H.R. 1. They didn't need H.R. 1, which centralizes our election. We've we've got the Republican Party just completely on board with everything the Democrats have put down. Who Who even knew about something called curing your ballot, right? We've gone from election day in this country to adding in absentee ballots. Then it was early voting. Then we added in motor voter, which here in California led to at least 300,000 just one year alone of illegals registered to vote. We've added in uh, machines, right? We've added in now ballot curing. We've added in ballot harvesting. I mean, what's left? What, what's what's left? What, what's another way to, to corrupt? Oh, I know. We, we had a, 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 a guy who owns a social media outlet dump $400 million into our elections and control our key uh, areas of our elections by putting uh, mail-in drop boxes all in Democrat districts where there wasn't any in Republican districts. And, you know, I mean, what, what, how else can we destroy our elections? You want a great comment? I, was, I always scroll the comments on different posts so that post I just read from Carrie Lake, Brigitte Gabriel actually commented on it and said it's no longer Republican versus Democrat. It's now American versus communist. It's exactly where we're at. And let me remind you, Republicans out there that think that all this is a good idea. Um, well, we just need to be voting early. We need to be. It's not who votes. It's who counts the votes that matter. So what do you think is going to happen here in California where we've got Republicans that are up, but there's still only 40 percent of the votes count? And the midterms in 2018, we went to bed thinking Republicans had won their races and we woke up to the ballot harvesting that they didn't. Now they're dragging it out over a week. And now you realize why we're ahead in the House. I'm not so confident. No. And even if we do go ahead. Basically, it's either we keep status quo with Kevin McCarthy, who's weak, or um, in order to, quote, reach across the aisle, get something done for the American people, or the establishment uh, is going to vote for a Democrat for Speaker of the House. What this has revealed is that even when the Republican Party's in the majority, the Democrats are in control, and it's because the Republican Party are basically Democrats. We have a handful of conservatives in Republican in Congress and in Congress in the Senate. And that's it. I think Josh Hawley's right, Andrea. I think uh, the Republican Party needs a thousand percent fresh start. And I think it, it starts with MAGA. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said today. He said it's time to bury it and build something new. Um, the problem with that, and this is something I've been talking about for a while back. Um, I think it might have been in the midterms. It was uh, there was a question of because what happened in the midterms is the Republican Party caved and let the Democrats take control. They're try- and they're trying to blame Trump for it now. And at, at going back to 2008, I was like, at what point we got Barack Obama because of George W. Bush, and there was very little daylight, quite frankly, between George W. Bush policies and Barack Obama's. And I said at the time, what is the point of us having an R after somebody's name if we're just going to get the same policies? And that's where we're at today. 
Oh, and, and I actually had people argue with me in 2018. I've been saying, what's the, what's the point? We've got, no, we, no third party. And anytime anybody introduces the idea of a third party, no, we've got, we've got to rebuild the Republican party. Tell me how. Tell me how. Because the leadership is in control. Mitch McConnell, Ronna Romney McDaniel, Kevin McCarthy. They're the head of the snake that be, needs to be cut off. Look at MAGA, 75 million voters, and they're in the process of completely destroying the movement. And successfully, might I add, because there's too many in the MAGA movement right now that are caving. You know, originally, Andrea, uh, I, I didn't think that Trump needed to announce tomorrow. Uh, you know, it, the, the, Her, the Herschel Walker race is very important. Um, I think he needs to. There's There's a lot missed towards that's going on right now and he needs to speak out against it well i mean do you guys think uh, uh, the, here's josh harley the old party is dead time to bury it and build something new but the question is do we build something new within then the republican party how do we with the current leadership why did anybody from maga give a dime to ronna mcdaniel he says um and when asked about voting for mcconnell he says i don't imagine i will no I'm not sure if any other senator will uh, will run or not. Nobody's indicated they would. So we don't have another Republican willing to vote, vote uh, run to be. And, and by the way, we're not going to take the lead for the Senate. So it would be the it would be the Senate minority leader. Um, but it is time to build something new. The problem with trying to build a third party is, is that the, the uniparty system have written the rules that it makes it almost impossible for a third party to launch. I almost wish Donald Trump would announce tomorrow night that he's going to run as a third party candidate. What are the chances you think that of that happening are? I think they're probably really slim because I think he believes um, that if there was ever anybody who could launch a third party run, it would be Trump because he can fund it. He can fund it. I agree. The problem with any other third party, even like, um, and the and the and the Republicans will use big ears from ninety two, uh, Texan. What was his name? They they use him. Um, Ross Perot. Ross Perot is an excuse for why third. Oh, he just took votes away from W from forty one, and that's how we got Bill Clinton. And I've said this many times. I said it at the time, and I'm going to say it now. Forty one would have governed no differently or worse than Bill Clinton did. He would have been no worse than Bill Clinton. You should now understand, looking back with hindsight, that there was no daylight between the Bush family and their policies and Bill Clinton. In fact, I could argue to you that Bill Clinton ended up being a better president than 41 ever would have been. I can tell you that. Right? Um, Ross Perot made a run for it. We should have said, instead of telling me why that using Ross Perot as an example of why a third party couldn't make a run. Why, why it could have made a run. Yeah. Tell me, you know, we need to he be. He had some serious following. He had following. He did it. The reason why they're trying to tell you it wouldn't work is because he scared them because of how much progress he made. I think, what do you guys think? Should Trump, I know that they've written the rules to try to make a third party almost impossible because you have to have, you don't get to participate in debates unless you've got X percentage of support. Trump has it. Trump has it. He's got that built in support. It's already there. The Republican Party's plan is to, and they're probably trying to, they're probably pushing the Democrats right now to come up with an indictment on Trump to try to, to try to stop him. Um, At this point, I see no value in voting Republican at this point. 
if 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 I'm going to end up with with a Mike Pence, here's the argument to the Republican Party: We're 75 million MAGA people are going to stay at home if you think you're going to shove a Mike Pence on us. That ain't happening. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Now, would I consider DeSantis in 24? I would consider him. I would rather him on the VP ticket, but there's not another Republican out there I would consider. I wouldn't even consider another one. Going to take a break when I come back. What do you guys think? Should Trump run as third party? Is it time? If we're going to build anew, do we do we continue to try to rebuild within a Republican party led by the same people that have literally sabotaged, that literally threw the midterm elections to the Democrats? Or do we go third party? 888-344-1170. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay show. John is on the line from Tierra Santa. He wants to say something about uh, Ross Perot. Uh, yes, uh, Andrea, thanks so much for taking the call. Sure. Um, yeah, the what you were talking about, uh, it sounds like, because you're a little bit younger than I am, and uh, during that time, actually, that was when I first got really uh, into uh, the election pro- or you know politics at that point, Ross Perot he really motivated a lot of folks, and he should have won. The only reason he probably lost was because he pulled out early mm. and then got back in. And the reason he got out, he said, was because of quote unquote Republican dirty tricks. And looking back, you know, a lot right. of people laugh, but 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 now we can see that that was probably the case. And the other reason was probably. He had a uh, he had a great man for a vice presidential candidate, James Stocksdale, Stocksdale mm-hmm. from here, but he was not vice presidential material, more than likely at that time. And so the combination of those two things, him pulling out and then getting back in and then having Stockdale, I think that's what limited him. But but think about this. Even after he did that, he still got almost 20 percent of the vote, 90 yeah. percent. If he had never pulled out and he had a better candidate. Uh, better vice presidential, you know, not man, but vice presidential, uh, you know, I think I think he would have won. Yeah. And, and he that, didn't even have he didn't have the following Trump had. He didn't have he didn't have the four years. I mean, Trump's Trump ushered in the greatest economic revival in the history of the country. So oh, sure. I actually think that, you know, I, I, I think that I think that there's a shot for third party here. And I think that Trump should consider oh, yeah. it. I'd be shocked if he did. But I, I'm yeah. going to I know people that know Trump and I'm actually going to start floating that. And, and you know what? Until he's a nominee, even if he announces tomorrow, he, you know, it doesn't have to be a decision on third party tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, but, you, yeah. I, but and, and, and if you think about it, too, Andre, I mean, you talk about the Republican dirty tricks. But with Trump, I mean, they I mean, he's had everybody doing dirty tricks yes. with this guy. And, and it's, it's, it's a it's sort of apples and oranges here. But if, if bro was able to do what he did and with Trump's. You know, track record. I mean, he could, but we're you know, we're about out of time, John. Thank you for I, calling I in. It. Appreciate it. John's right. If Perot could make a run for a third party, I think Trump could too. And we're going to play his speech on tomorrow night's Andrea K. Show. So tune in then. Peace out. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.